Today, our guest is Pepe Marais. Pepe is the founding partner of Joe Public United, chairman of the One School at a Time, author, humanitarian at heart, and his core interest is in the growth of people. Pepe is the author of 20 Habits That Break Habits, Growing Greatness. The book reflects a deep concern for developing human potential and is in service of your journey towards discovering your own inner greatness. So enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Business Bookshelf podcast. I'm your host, Lance Pepler. Like you, I'm a lifetime learner and find books one of the best ways to do this. The purpose of this podcast, then, is to interview authors of new business books, get insights into their thinking, lives, and businesses, all in a light-friendly manner. So welcome to 2021, and I hope you can look at this year with optimism. I have a great book for you to start off the year, as it's about breaking bad habits and replacing them with good habits. As I said in the introduction, today I'm speaking to Pepe Marais, and here's a little bit more about him. After hitting a brick wall in both his business and personal life in 2006, Pepe discovered his purpose on which he rebuilt all aspects of his life over the course of the next 14 years. And we'll hear a lot more about that in the interview and if you read the book, which is 20 Habits That Break Habits, Growing Greatness. And in the book, Pepe shares some of his own most limiting habits that held him back over the course of his journey and the liberating habits he replaced each of them with in order to create a significant breakthrough in his own life. From turning wine into water to replacing television with a kitchen table, if a book could come along with a warning sign, then this would be it because it may change your life. So 20 Habits That Break Habits is published by Tracy McDonald Publishers and is available wherever you buy books. So welcome to the podcast, Pepe. Thank you so much, Lance. Appreciate it. And so where am I speaking to you from today? So I'm sitting overlooking uh, the Vaal River from our beautiful uh, place called Injabulo, where I actually wrote the book and my first book was written from here. Um, and we had the, yes, we're very blessed to have spent lockdown here. And I'm just here for the day. Yeah, I, I read quite a few um, stories in the book about the Vaal, the Vaal River. Um, do you water ski or do you go on a boat on the river or anything like that? Yeah, I grew up in the sea, so I'm a Cape Townian. So I'm, I'm a complete water person. I literally grew up in the sea. And when I moved to Joburg 16 years ago, I had to find my second, second best place of happiness. <laughs> and I started water skiing. So I'm a very avid slalom water skier, uh, our wakeboard, our scurf. We've got a boat, so we do a lot of boating on the river and with my little 12-year-old boy. And then my wife is the best boat driver in the country. So <laughs> That's wonderful. So, Pepe, you had a distinguished career and you still have a long way to go, obviously. But could you tell us about it and give us a, an overview of it and the, you know, the founding of Joe Public United? And we'll talk a little bit more about Joe Public later in the interview, but maybe just give us a taste of what it is. Yeah, very quickly, average at school. I was very average at school, uh, very good at, at maths. In interestingly, my one subject now is I'm studying for my MBA that I'm cum laude like mad because I love <laughs> maths. But I was at school and then i discovered art very late probably at about 19 20 and because of that went to art school and suddenly i was just the top performer which 
which built my self-confidence. And that's when I got into sport because I was so unconfident coming from a school background, not doing well at school. So it was just interesting how that affected my, my sort of self-confidence, finding something I was really passionate about. Then I fell into advertising in 1990. Um, I was a very good rendering artist. Just before the computers, um, I was a storyboard artist in my first job. And then just grew the ranks. And I think I was one of the top creatives in the country. Uh, in the mid 90s and off the back of that launch joe public together with my partner gareth leck we were actually three partners originally the third one went to the states along the way um and grew this business over the past 22 years through bankruptcy and the 2008-2009 recession yeah. into a very formidable um entrepreneurial concern today the only one of only two hundred percent south african owned agencies in a very competitive market and at the moment top of our game sure and and we'll talk about the awards you've won a little bit later and in your book you, so you're doing an mba and you want to do a doctorate hey why why are you into studying and furthering yourself in that area because you you don't need it for joe public do you no i don't i don't at all and so it's, so it's interesting. I've got a vision beyond advertising. I love uh, advertising. I've never loved my job more than, than in the last couple of years. So it's just getting better and better. But I'm looking towards fulfilling my life's vision, which is linked to education and also linked to purpose and potentially purpose for our country. Great. I'm sure. very purpose-driven. And I'm, I want to do a doctorate on purpose for business and potentially purpose into the educational system. And wow. I knew I wouldn't be able to make that shift. Being a, being a, a communication specialist, I need to upskill myself academically. That is awesome. I've got a young family, so I hope you do that because we need better education in South Africa. Sure. Um, so, Pepper, congratulations on your book, uh, 20 Habits That Break Habits. Uh, what led you to writing the book? So in other words, the purpose of writing it. And can you give us a brief overview of it? Great. So I found my life's purpose in 2007. Uh, mm. It was a, a very fundamental shift that I went through in terms of consciousness. Um, it literally changed my entire life. So, so all my limiting habits pre-2007, over the last 13 years, I systematically replaced them with liberating habits. And my first book I wrote to expose people to this notion of purpose in our personal lives and mm. also then purpose in business. And then that book did so well, almost it, it overshot my own expectations. Um, and then I had this idea in 2019, last year, June, to write the second Growing Greatness. So to, to build a franchise of books over the next 20 years. Uh, every couple of years, bring a new book to the market. And the only intention of the book is to, to help people to be the best they can be through my ramblings and through my experiences and my insights from my own life. Mm. And I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I love the Desmond Tutu story, but maybe we can get into that a bit later. That was probably the best story that I, I read, but there are lots of different stories in the book. Now, Pepe, you actually do something quite unusual, um, which I've never seen before in that you start each chapter with a mini case study where you interview somebody. And you have this quite interesting way of interviewing them while they're smoking and you record the time that they smoke and um, they, what they wanted to be and their life, you know, what they battle with and all those kind of things. 
How did that happen? Why did you choose that particular way to start each chapter? So it, it's fascinating. So I want to, I want to be purpose driven in my life, but I believe that purpose should be fun. You know, people that that live their lives on purpose shouldn't be serious, and you know, changing the world should be fun. Mm. So, so part of part of this idea, when idea came to me, and I was so sick, I, and I was in the middle of my first exam in 30 years, um, it, it was like crazy. And this idea came out of the blue. And part of the idea, so it was a franchise of books, it was a book on habits, but part of that initial millisecond idea that came into my head was that I want to interview smokers. And I want to <laughs> ask them what are their limitations, their limiting habits. And, and then I want to do this whole exercise of, of how long must a chapter be for them to read it in the time that it takes to smoke a cigarette. So that is all part of the original idea. And it excited me so much. I almost wrote through the night the structure of the book on the first night. Um, and I think it's because I love the idea so much because I am in the business of ideas. Mm. So, so that's how it happened. It was an idea. I executed on it and I brought it to life. And it was super insightful because not one of the 20 smokers said that smoking was a limiting habit. They all had other limiting habits. Which is <laughs> yeah, it is. And you tied the, the limiting habit to the chapter title, obviously, hey? Yeah, yeah. Because I then, in the interviews, I realized we all struggle from the same habits. And in fact, smoking is probably something that's above another habit. You know, the smoking is just there as a sign that there's something deeper that is sort of blocking you as a person. Um, and I know that as an ex-smoker. So it was just fascinating that people will speak about um, not being good enough or swearing or drinking too much or eating badly or overspending. And, and I thought, well, those are all generic habits that I dealt with my entire life and that I've overcome. So then I thought I'll counter each of them. I'll almost write the chapter, chapter as a gift to every person and say, hey, man, I had the same struggle. This is how I did it. You <laughs> don't use it. Um, so I wrote the book in essence for 20 people. Awesome. Well, 21 now that I've read it. Um, <clears throat> so, Pepper, I mentioned it in the introduction, and everybody, I think, internationally, because uh, you've got quite a large international audience, they know Desmond Tutu, I think, uh, winner of the Nobel yeah. Peace Prize, you know, one of the great um, people in South Africa. Could you, and I didn't put this in the script of questions, but I'd love you, can you tell us your story about going to hear him speak and then what you did afterwards? Yeah, it's, it's, so, so I, because I'm, I'm not researching my books, not the first one or this one, I'm writing almost from my heart, I do, do draw off my own experiences and I'm very conscious of how they happen. Yeah. That particular one, this is so fascinating because I write, write on judgment later on the book as well. I'll never forget how I judged the arch. You know, when he started speaking, he was speaking like, uh, uh, <laughs> he was so slow. And in the moment I formed the judgment, but I actually, I was conscious of the judgment. And then this man just made this best speech I've ever heard in my entire life ever. I've never been so mesmerized by someone's charm and the eloquence in terms of speaking and, and just, he, he went from serious to light to serious to light. He was like a magician. He was a ma mm. magnificent human being. And I had my little three-month-old boy in my arms. It was me and my wife and our little kid went to this freedom event, this event at Freedom Park in Pretoria. 
and I just sat there and I decided we we're not church going, but I'm 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 probably Christian. I was brought up Christian, probably mm. a closet Christian today. But I, we don't go to church, and I wanted my son to be given his name properly. So so I just thought, well, I'm going to ask the arch if you'll do it. And, and <laughs> like we like you would. Like you would. Like I just had this, but again, I had an idea, and mm. I think I let, I linked into this idea of act on your ideas. You'd be amazed what happened when you act on your ideas. And my wife said, you're mad. And I said, I just ignored and picked him up. And Archbishop left the stage with about five or six bodyguards around him. And I just timed to meet them from the top. I came running down and I timed to meet them at the exit. And I stopped them there. And the guards took me into the circle, but the arch kind of caught my eye. And I said, please, will you bless my son? And he went like, it was like, it was not a problem. Like, of course, he was like, Amazing. of course, that's why we're here today to bless your son. And I stepped into this little circle and I so wish, and not for the evidence, more just that moment was so, so emotional to be with this incredible character um, who then gave my, my son his name. And, and, and it was just such a beautiful, beautiful thing to experience. And yeah. I'll live with that for the rest of my life. Yeah, it was magnificent. Beautiful. Well, I, you know, everything I've heard about Archbishop Desmond Tutu is that he's like authentic. And that's probably why he was such a good speaker. And then um, humility as well, like approachable, like you've just encountered now. That's quite an amazing thing. And um, so, Pepper, could you go through a few of your habits, maybe two or three, if, if we've got time, and maybe start with negative thoughts, with positive affirmations, which is I went for an app, uh, a, a test the other day, and they said that I'm a bit pessimistic. So how, how do I replace my negative thoughts with positive affirmations? Oh, that's, that is probably one of the most powerful ones. Um, I think Martin was the smoker that came up with that, and it resonated because pre-me finding my purpose, I remember how I used to speak to myself often. Ongoingly, you know, so if I made a mistake or I said something wrong, in my head I will go, You idiot. Oh, you're so stupid. And often, sometimes we do that. I'm aware of people when they speak, they, they'll say, like, oh, I'm, so, I'm so dumb. I can never do something right. And I try and say to them, You're not. You're amazing. You're magnificent. But I was there. I was exactly the same. The amount of negative talk in my head was huge. And I'm genuinely a positive person. Mm. Um, so, and I think it's this thing inherently that we feel or believe we're not good enough and i don't know where that conditioning comes from but i systematically started eradicating negative talk completely i have not for at least a decade i've not mentioned one negative word about myself to myself out loud or in my head and that's just been practice so i'm putting forward the idea that if you because the first step you have to become conscious that you're speaking negatively to yourself or that you're speaking negatively in general in your head. Yeah. And every time that you're aware of that, you need to stop it and replace it with something positive because every day is actually a huge gift, even amidst coronavirus and all the, and all the stuff that comes with it. It's, it's still a gift to be alive. Um, so it's not easy to change, but it starts with becoming aware of how you speak to yourself. Mm -mm. Yeah, I agree. Gratitude is such an important thing. And then the, the new Seth Godin book has got, you know, imposter syndrome is one of the, the topics he, he 
talks about in the book. And he kind of also says that if you don't have imposter syndrome, then you probably aren't human, really. So, <laughs> so you got to like balance your negative thoughts, replace them with positive affirmations, and then fight the imposter syndrome, I suppose. Well, yes, um, yes, that's a very good. That's Lance. I just quickly want to pick up on that because because I think imposter syndrome and not being good enough is in all high performers because that's almost what drives the performance. Because the person who feels the worst about him or herself will potentially drive the hardest towards disproving it and shoot the lights out. Mm. And then suddenly the top of the game. But what I've realized is there comes a ceiling where you need to move on from it. So, so that, that not being good enough, definitely part of my success. It drives the excellence that I strive for. But there, there was a time in my life about two, three years ago where I had to start getting beyond that and say, okay, how do I move beyond that being my driver? How do I move beyond fear being my driver for success yeah. and, and find a new driver? And so, so I think it will take you to a certain level, but I think if you really want to really shoot, shoot to the moon, I think you need to get beyond that. Absolutely. Fantastic. And the next one I want to touch on is another habit about replacing saying yes with saying no. And that seems a bit counterintuitive. So how do you, how do you do that? And how do you make a decision what to say no to in a way? So what do you say yes to? And what do you say no to? Yeah, that's why, you know what I, I realized afterwards, because I was stringing them along because I was just working from my gut. And there's a lot of overlap <laughs> in the book. You know, it kind of, it links in with stepping out and sitting, you know, like don't sit out, step in, you know, start stepping in. It's a sim similar thing, but it was such a beautiful insight I learned from Judy Clippen. She was one of my coaches for about, I think it was about six sessions back in the day when I was dealing with a, a thing called being an adult child. I was very emotional for my age and I went to see her to get some help. And, um, and she introduced me to this idea of a no to someone else is a yes to yourself because I was taking on so much on myself. You know, no matter who asked me to do something, I will help, I will help. And I would always say yes. So, so I think it's, it's, of course, relative. It's not like start saying no to everything because sometimes yeah. opportunities in your life, you have to say yes to it. But it's more about self-preservation and, 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 and actually putting yourself first. Because I think even in service of other people, you need to put yourself first, I believe, because, because I have to sustain myself first before I can help other people. And I've only got one source of energy. So it's to learn to say no to those things that do not serve my energy. So if I have a bad friendship, then I need to learn to say no to that friendship. If I'm in a bad job and my boss is an absolute ass to me, I need to learn to say no to that situation and get out of it. Mm. Often we just spend our lives in these situations that take away from our potential. And we end up blaming everyone except ourselves. So, so that was just a pointer towards learn to say no, because those no's are yeses to yourself. Sure. And then the last thing, so thir the third um, habit that I'd like to chat to you about, and obviously there's 17 more in the 20 Habits That Break Habits book, yeah. is the replacing you with I. Um, can you talk us through that? Is, uh, what do you mean by that? Is it like taking responsibility for your actions and not, you know, blaming other people for, for, for things that go wrong. So, so 
that was a fascinating because I was kind of like trying to find the right and answer the right people with the right insights. So of course there's hundreds of habits and I just chose 20. Yeah. But through interviews, I became aware and I do the same thing. So, so these books that I write are also self-help books for myself. It's not just like I'm so clever and I'm serving the world with my genius. <laughs> I go like, I'm like, wow, okay, I've never realized this. And I'm figuring, I'm figuring this journey towards greatness out myself. And it's probably never ending. And I've uh -huh. got so many mistakes. But I became aware that when people are telling me their stories, they'll always use you. So, so, so they will go, yeah, you know what? You know, when, you're, when you are gay, you really get judged a lot. Instead of going, you know, I'm gay and I really get judged a lot. Uh. So well, I realized people were using third person instead of first person all the time. And, and through that consciousness, I, I'm constantly now aware of it. That, that when I speak about, you know, um, you know, when you come from an alcoholic home, you really are challenged because your parents are, no, it's not about you. I can't say that to you, Lance. You know, I need to say, you know, I come from an alcoholic home mm. and I found it really challenging. So I just took one of my subjects, I think it was Tammy. And I just thought, you know, for her chapter, instead of picking up on her limitations, I'm actually going to use that insight and just make her aware of how often we use third person instead of first person uh -huh. in the story of life that we tell. And in doing that, I realized that when we, when we speak first person, I, when I say I went there and I did that, I was responsible. I actually, I, I step into responsibility of my story and I also put it in the present tense. And hence I deal with it. Whereas if I, you, 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 just, it just, that story just remains in the past tense and it remains a sort of a drama to my life. So it was just a fascinating insight that I gained through the writing of this book. That's awesome. Um, so Pepe, like I said, there's 20 different habits that break habits. And so we briefly spoke about three. I want to talk about Joe Public again, and congratulations on winning Agency of the Year for the third year in a row. That's unbelievable achievement. Well done. Um, could you tell us what work you won that award for? It's so so. It's it's across the body of work for all our clients. Mm. Um, so our big winners on the night was NetBank. You know, to to win like a a Lurie Grand Prix is pretty much the best piece of work out of the country for bank in marketing yeah. is, is quite a, it's a massive achievement and, and also achievement not possible without an incredible client. So yeah. it's interesting that every single one of our big pieces at one is linked towards an amazing brand run by an amazing client. So the same can be said for Chicken Licken. Chantal Sambonis is, was, was nominated marketer of the year and her brand Chicken Licken was nominated brand of the year. Um, but then we also won for a host of other clients. You know, we've got breweries um, in our house. We've got about 50 different clients. And, and, and based on the amount of caliber work that came out of our agency, we were nominated the, the, the number one creative agency on the African continent for sure. the third year running, which is, which is a big achievement you know, for smaller, not small, 250 people, but our competitors are about 600, 700 people. So they're three times our size. So to outpunch them with our caliber of work, yeah, I'm, I'm super grateful for my team of people. You know, we've got an amazing team of people in our business. That's incredible. And, and the chicken licking story is in the book itself. You know, how you, 
you got that account and the mandate from from the owner of Chicken Licken, et cetera, to take it forward, um, which is yeah. interesting for people to read. Yeah. Yeah, amazing, amazing human being who sadly passed away of cancer a few months after we started working with him. Mm. And his daughter took over the business uh, with a complete different style because from a woman leadership point of view, just bringing a different style to the business, but absolutely smashing it and, and, and giving us the same amount of trust um, as a dad did, which of course puts a lot of responsibility on our shoulders because you don't ever want to break someone's trust. But, but that's her approach is to so similar to her father's to trust people to, to get on with their jobs. Um, yeah. So amazing piece of business for us. And, and we treat, we treat that piece of business as with our other clients, but we treat it like gold. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so you've reached like almost well, a very high standard, as you said, like agency of the year for the third year running. How do you keep it up? Um, how do you maintain those standards and, and do you strive for even greater awards and prestige for, with, for Joe Public? How, how do you keep everyone motivated and enthused about you know, the following year after you've won so much? It's so interesting. Eh? It's a very good question. I mean, I'll look at, if you look at the Oscars, I don't think Spielberg sets out to make a movie to win an Oscar. I think he sets out to make an incredible piece of communication and film. Mm. And then his efforts result in an Oscar. And the same for Grammys, for music. You know, I don't think any artist ever do it for awards. And I think similar for us, we don't do this. We don't do what we do for awards. Same as we don't do it for money. Money and awards is a byproduct of something else. So I think we purpose driven. So we exist to grow our people and our clients and our country. That's our driver of our business. And we do that through the power of creativity. And mm. I think if we want to continue to grow, not our own business and our own bottom line, but, but our human capital, you know, the only, the only appreciating asset in our business are people. If we want to continue to grow them, then every year we'll just do better than our best and then better ongoingly till the day that we stop, which should actually be indefinitely. We'd love our Joe Public brand to exist for the next hundred years sustainably, yeah. which is why we've put a purpose at its core and not just the, the sort of financial remuneration of our shareholders. And, and I think that's why we will continue to do better every year. Um, because that's the value we want to bring to our people. And that's the only way we believe we grow our clients. And the more jobs we create, the better for our country and our economy. Absolutely. So I think that sustains my drive, is, is, is that sort of service to, service to <clears throat> others. Is that purpose statement and that purpose vision, is that regularly communi communicated across Joe Public? And is it you know, on your intranet and your website and all that kind of stuff communicated across, across the entire company? Ongoing, uh, ongoingly, I'm obsessed about it. I, I believe it's a new way of doing business post mm. this coronavirus crisis. I think this crisis happened to point towards a new way. I don't know how many people will embrace it, but I, it's part of what I do on the side as well as purposeful business. Yeah, I engage with executives of corporations and assist them towards finding purpose for the business because I believe the bottom line should be at the bottom of our priorities, and we've we've put it at the top, and it, it's left the majority of the world poor and i think there needs to be a new way so that's my my sort of second drive in my life but but ultimately yeah i, I suppose my purpose is the growth of people so that's where i come from
Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I believe in purpose wholeheartedly as well. And you can see Unilever that's adopted it and Discovery has always had a very strong purpose, et cetera. So purpose-driven organizations and purpose-driven people are the ones that succeed. And you look, look at Tesla and Google and, you know, the purpose that underlines their, the way they operate and how they perform. So absolutely, 100%. Um, Hundreds. Pepper, it sounds like you, you've got the different um, ways that people can find information about you. How, how could they do it? Have you, um, I didn't actually check. Do you have a website of your own or can people find you on LinkedIn? I do have a website of my own. It's called Pepe, P-E-P-E, Marais, M-A-R-A-I-S dot com is my uh-huh. website. I'm on Twitter under at Pepe Marais and on LinkedIn under the same name. And I'm highly, I engage with people. And that's where, you know, the, the, the sort of notice someone else, I have to practice it myself sometimes because I really put myself out there. Yeah. But when people reach out, uh, I respond uh, at least with a, no, I don't have time, but I always respond to anyone who reach out and I, I assist wherever I have opportunity to give my time. You know? So I'll engage on email once I get a sense that someone needs a bit of input. Well, thank you for saying yes to the interview. <laughs> um, so, Pepper, thank you so, so much. Really appreciate you joining, and I really enjoyed your book. I enjoyed all your stories from the paper round to how you did your band and all this kind of stuff. So the book is 20 Habits That Break Habits, Growing Greatness, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. really appreciate you taking the time out. And thanks, Lance. And likewise, I mean, I really appreciate just you giving me your time and exposing me to your people, your base of, um, I don't know what you call it in the podcast, like followers. I suppose <laughs> listeners, I guess. But, but, uh, your listeners, your listeners, of course, your listeners. Um, and I hope, and thank you for the feedback on the book. I'm really happy to hear that you are now the fourth person that's given me positive feedback. So I'm <laughs> the fourth person. <laughs> Oh, good. Uh, So I hope you, the listener, found this as interesting and useful as I did. If you'd like to contact me, then please do. I'll have all of Pepper's details in the show notes. My email address is lance at ideastorm.co.za. Website is www.ideastorm.co.za or businessbookshelfpodcast.com. And if you want me to interview anybody, let me know and I'll try and make it happen. So until next time, goodbye, stay well and stay safe. Bye-bye, Pepper. Thanks so much, Lance.